Well, if you've been tracking with us for the past few weeks, uh, I want you to just permit me a, a few minutes of review. Uh, because for some of us, uh, we're tracking for the very first time in this Foundations of Faith series. And these first two weeks are critical building blocks in what we're going to discuss in our conversation today. And so uh, for those of you who have been part of this series, you'll remember in week one, uh, Jeff Martins walked us through the focus of faith, which is nothing more than the person of Jesus and his invitation to follow him. You know, for some of us, whether we've come from faith background or not, we can assume that a life of faith is all about rules and regulations. But we learned that that's what's called a bounded set approach, a bounded set approach where you kind of make these boundary markers that define whether you're into faith or not into faith, whether they're attitudes or behaviors or, you know, even certain ways of thinking or talking or dressing or whatever, that that's a bounded set approach as opposed to Jesus' invitation, which is what we refer to as a centered set approach where Jesus is at the center and no matter who we are, what we've done, where we come from, we can be anywhere so long as we're taking steps closer to Jesus, that Jesus invites us to put him at the center and to relate to him in a centered set, not bounded set kind of way. And then last week, Tom Lowen walked us through the framework of our faith, the, the Bible that instead of reinforcing rules and regulations in a bounded set kind of a way, actually serves as a signpost to Jesus. The Bible's nothing more than a, a roadmap. Tom talked about it as a treasure map to the ultimate treasure of the person of Jesus and to his new covenant, new commandment, law of love. If we can understand those two things, the focus of our faith and the framework of our faith that defines that focus, then we'll be able to engage more effectively in today's conversation about the family of faith, what it means to follow Jesus in community and to be part of this thing called the church. Now, for some of us, our backs get up, we hear the word church. Some of us would love to live a faith that's individual but not communal. That's not really an option because when you follow Jesus, two things happens, the scriptures teach. One is that we're made alive spiritually by the risen life of Jesus indwelling ourselves to transform us into his image. The other is that we're adopted into God's spiritual family. We're made alive and adopted. And so you can't really opt out of faith and community. You don't grow past it. You don't get too cool or too mature for church. And so we want to kind of face what it looks like for us to be a faith community and for what it looks like to participate in faith community based on that focus on Jesus and the framework that the Bible provides. And the big idea for this morning that I want us to reflect on in light of those first two, those first two uh, mornings, those first two building blocks in this Foundations of Faith series, is that in light of that context, when it comes to following Jesus in community, in Jesus' spiritual family, community is not contingent on conformity. That's what I want to camp out on today. That in Jesus' spiritual family, community is not contingent on conformity. Meaning you don't have to behave a certain way or do certain things in order to belong and be part of God's spiritual family. 
We should know this if we've followed Jesus for any amount of time, because to begin a life of following Jesus requires no preconditions. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter two, in verses eight and nine, it says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God and not by works so that no one can boast. Now, if we thought that there are certain things that we needed to do in order to be able to be a follower of Jesus, that would mean it depends on us. And it's something that's fundamentally earned where a life of following Jesus is an opportunity given by Jesus through his death and resurrection. That's a gift. It's made by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's all about Jesus and only Jesus. There are no other behaviors or, or conditions on which a life of faith is contingent. On top of that, think about the reality that once you enter into a life of following Jesus, your identity unifies around the person of Jesus alone. In Galatians chapter 3, it says this, In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Instead of assuming that there are certain kind of outward markers or behaviors like those boundaries in the bounded set that would define what it means to be part of the family of God, Galatians teaches that in Christ, our identity becomes one in him alone. And whatever those other distinctives are that would otherwise differentiate or divide us, they go by the wayside as we adopt an identity of oneness in Christ. Piece all of that together as you consider what it typically means to be part of a group or a team in our day and age. Most of the time, we live in bounded set kind of dynamics that are clear about defining the markers of who can belong and who can't, who's in and who's out and why based on those outward dynamics. But when it comes to the framework of our faith that points us to Jesus and Jesus alone and the invitation, the focus of our faith, of Jesus' invitation to follow him and him alone, putting him at the center, that drives an inclusion based on Jesus alone and an identity based on Jesus alone, not on any other externals or boundary markers. To be part of this spiritual family means you experience community that isn't contingent on conformity. Now, for some of us, I want us to just allow that to sink deep into our hearts because whether we've been following Jesus or trying to follow him for a long time, we sort of wonder, do we fit in? Do we say the right things? Do we actually belong? Do we know enough? Do we, do we, do we talk the right way? And you need to appreciate today that in a community like this, it's intended to not be contingent on conformity. There's nothing you need to do to fit in or belong. If you've aspired and committed yourself to the journey of following Jesus, you do. You just do because of your commitment to follow Jesus. To get a little more specific, a little more practical, I want us to appreciate and allow this to sink deep into our hearts. There is nothing that you, know, you need to know in order to belong. There's no amount of, of Bible knowledge you need to be able to recite in order to belong. You don't need to be able to recite the, the songs that we sing or songs that people sing from hundreds of years ago, like longtime people of faith can often do in order to feel like you belong. 
It's not contingent on those kinds of things. You don't need to believe a, a, a certain way. You don't need to behave a certain way. You don't need to vote a certain way. You can even cheer for teams other than my beloved Toronto Maple Leafs and still fully equally belong in the family of God. That's what it means to be part of a community that isn't contingent on conformity. It means all of us can belong and all of us can identify around Jesus alone because of what Jesus alone has done in our lives. Now, as amazing as that sounds, I want us to appreciate that there's a catch to all of this. And that catch is simply this, that in Jesus' spiritual family, community isn't contingent on conformity. Community isn't contingent on conformity. Now, you might say, isn't that the good news that we just celebrated? Absolutely, it is for every single one of us. But that's kind of the catch, that it's something to be celebrated for every single one of us. And in as much as every single one of us individually wants to believe that we can belong no matter what, it also requires us to extend that same grace and that same inclusion to everyone else aspiring to follow Jesus no matter what. It's easy to allow ourselves to be included, but it's more of a challenge to turn that around and allow others to be included as well. Which is why there's many passages, especially in the New Testament of the Bible, that describe the hard attitudes and the postures required to live this way. One that I like is in Romans chapter 14 and 15. It says this, for example, in verse 13, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of another brother or sister. One of the attitudes that we've got to embrace in order to live this dynamic out is to not be judgmental, to not pass judgment, because to judge people is to put those boundary marker labels on people and to define according to our standards who belongs and who doesn't, who's in and who's out, and to keep people out that we don't want to be in. Similarly, look at what it says in verse 19. It says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. It says, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Food being a contentious issue in their day, applying to us according to issues that would divide us in our day. This is talking about not just being judgmental, but not being divisive. To be judgmental is to create the boundary markers that keep people out. To be divisive is to say, hey, if you don't kind of satisfy my requirements, if you don't live up to my standards, then I'm out. And instead, the scriptures teach to be peacemaking and mutually edifying with people, even who are different than us or with whom we might disagree. Well, you might wonder how to live that way. Not surprisingly, the way in which we grow in that direction is by centering ourselves to a greater degree on Jesus and Jesus alone. Look at how this passage ends in Romans chapter 15 and verse 5. It says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The way God works in us is he transforms us. He enables us to adopt the mindset of Jesus so that we can foster with the kind of oneness in heart and mind and voice that Jesus envisioned and invites us into. It's Jesus' work that enables us to live Jesus' way.
And I hope that as you appreciate that, you can understand kind of the, the choice in front of us, the upward spiral of Jesus-centeredness or the downward spiral of being bounded in that kind of Old Testament, Old, Old Covenant approach. Because the more we center ourselves on Jesus and the more we allow Jesus to transform us from the inside out and enable God to develop the mindset of Jesus within us, the more inclusive we can become, the more we can embrace others who are aspiring to follow Jesus, even from different starting points or different directions. And the more in turn that unity in diversity can stimulate a greater followership of Jesus and Jesus centeredness. But contrast that to when we drift and we start to create those boundary markers and just and start to allow judgmentalism and divisiveness to creep in. All of a sudden, we pay more and more attention to that. And because our attention drifts from Jesus, we become less and less like Jesus and more and more are reinforcing the judgmentalism and the divisiveness that creates those boundary markers of that bounded set approach. We can either be Jesus-centered and upward spiral, or we can drift from Jesus and downward spiral. Appreciate, though, that this isn't just a way of affecting others to focus on Jesus in this inclusive kind of way is essential for our very spiritual growth in the likeness and direction of Jesus. Which is why around here, this faith foundation has uh, kind of created a, a, a phrase that we've used often around Southridge called love beyond belief. One of the basic bedrocks of how we're trying to, to, to build our church here is on this concept called love beyond belief. And for those of you who've been around, you know that it's more than just a pithy phrase. It's intended to represent some very specific, technical, theological, spiritual concepts on which we're anchoring our lives. Specifically, recognizing the Bible as a framework pointing us to Jesus and the focus of our faith being the invitation of Jesus and his new commandment, new covenant law of love. An attitude or posture of love beyond belief seeks to prioritize that law of love by fixing ourselves on Jesus above any other ways that we would identify, any other distinctives, any other even ancillary beliefs or convictions we might hold strongly that could otherwise divide us. We're choosing to love in the way of Jesus over judging and dividing over those secondary beliefs. And you need to appreciate that that's not just a, a core concept around here, but it's also extremely radical and rare. It's extremely radical and rare, which is why we want to be encouraged in the way of Romans chapter 12 that says this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Bible encourages us to not conform to the pattern of this world. When you take a step back and think about it, you know what the pattern of this world is? Even the pattern of this kind of church and faith world that we live in? To divide, to judge, to label, to box in, to exclude, and to subcategorize. We divide over all kinds of stuff. We divide over our preferences of worship when we gather on Sundays or what happens during the hour or so when we're together. We've got all kinds of opinions and want to divide on that. We divide over the way we navigate things like pandemics. We divide over masks and vaccines and we label who's in and who's out and who's acceptable to us. We divide over 
beliefs and understandings and interpretations of the Bible. We divide over understandings of things like gender or definitions of sexuality or marriage and all kinds of other hot topics. Our tendency in our culture is to divide. And you know what the people out there see when they see followers of Jesus engaging in that kind of division? They see people pretending to be following Jesus, calling themselves Christians. They see Christians pretending to follow Jesus because instead of putting Jesus at the center, we create a bounded set, old covenant, kind of Old Testament religious approach that focuses more on who's in and who's out and why than on the person of Jesus and becoming more like him in a unity in diversity kind of way. That's why with his final breaths on earth, Jesus prayed this one prayer in John 17. He said there, my prayer is not for my initial disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. All of them may be one, including you, including me, including the person we want to keep on the outs. Jesus says, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The kind of unity in diversity that Jesus is inviting us into is not just an upward spiral that is essential to our spiritual growth. That kind of unity in diversity is the way, the primary way that the watching world makes sense of the reality of Jesus. This building block that we call love beyond belief is that big a deal. And so in light of a framework that points to Jesus and in light of a focus that invites people simply to follow Jesus and put him at the center, will you allow yourself to embrace that kind of unity in diversity as part of God's spiritual family? Will you commit to growing in what it takes to embrace and embody the heart posture of love beyond belief so that we can experience and we can exude and we can be a spiritual family where community isn't contingent on conformity? Let's pray together. Jesus, we want to thank you for uh, your grace to invite us into a life of knowing and following and becoming like you that isn't contingent on anything that we bring to the table. And I want to thank you for the identity that we can have when we do that in you that isn't contingent on anything that we bring to the table. And I pray that in your name and in your strength and in your spirit's life in us, that you would give us the capacity to be people who can live that out freely and fully and don't require others to bring anything to the table. Help us simply to encourage a focus and a direction towards you, Jesus, to encourage that in others to en and to allow others to encourage that in us. I pray that the diversity among us would strengthen our followership of you and not subdivide us and that you would create a picture, at least here among us at Southridge, that the watching world can see that would make sense of you to them because they see a oneness that's compelling. 
It's only you, Jesus, that's going to do that work in us. And so I pray that we would open and yield our hearts to you in this faith foundational way at the dawn of kind of reopening again after a pandemic. Make us this kind of community, a love beyond belief community where this community is not contingent on any conformity to anything that we might want to bring to the table. Help us to unify our hearts and lives in you and you alone, Jesus. We pray this in your precious and your powerful name. Amen.